Hello, listeners. Happy New Year, and welcome to the first episode of Multiversity Manga Club in the year 2018. I'm Zach Wilkerson, and you'll have to excuse me. I'm getting over a cold, so I'll try not to cough in your in your eardrums too much. But as always, I'm joined by Walt and Emily. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Doing all right. How about yourself? Um, I'm doing well, all things considered. Um, but yeah, this month we are here to talk about the... Um, is I don't think it's too much necessarily to call it a, a masterwork of Hayao Miyazaki, um, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. I think that's probably a good descriptor of it. Yeah, yeah. it's... Um, so yeah, you know, written and illustrated by Hayao Miyazaki, the the famed animator of uh, Studio Ghibli fame, um, and uh, you know, of shares the name of the of the film as well. Although um, the manga goes into way more depth in the film. Have Have either of you seen Nausicaa the film? I have not. I have okay. not seen an entire Miyazaki movie. Really? I Man. know. Man. I know. A, I, I, it's a grave error. We uh, we actually got like really into Miyazaki a few summers ago, and there were, it was right when um, Disney released a, a like big box set of all oh, yeah. of Miyazaki's right. films. <clears throat> and um, we picked that up and watched through it semi-regularly. Um but nice. I've actually only seen, I think I've only seen Nausicaa maybe twice through, and it's and it's been a while. It's not one I pick up as often as some of the others. So I was a little right. I was a little fuzzy when when rereading through the manga um on, on the differences from the film. But yeah. uh, I do remember I, I do remember kind of some of the areas of overlap and I um I did some like research really quick just to like try and clarify, and I'm pretty sure that uh, the film only goes up to uh, oh, only goes through the first two volumes or so of oh, the manga, really? okay. and then he kind of um, like manufactured an ending for the film that is right. different than right. than the way that the manga goes. So, um, you know, the the film doesn't even broach half of the content of the manga, so. Yeah, I wonder about that. So do you remember, I mean, I don't know how long ago it was since you've seen the movie. Do you remember it being like a at all satisfying or did it kind of uh, seem? No, yeah, it's definitely still satisfying, I think. And, okay. it, and it still wraps up, interestingly, with a lot of the same themes that I think that the manga wraps up with. Mm-hmm. But it's it's just in a different way. Right. Um, not, as, not as full. So I guess we'll kind of get mm-hmm. into that um i don't it's kind of hard to know where to start with with this because this is interesting because this is the first time i think in our manga club that we've read a complete work i think so yes um so that's gonna like change the way we talk about it i feel like it, it isn't um it wasn't super long. Um, it, it wasn't. That's seven, true. Seven yeah. paperbacks that were more like uh, the length of more like an American yeah. uh, comic collection than a normal like manga volume. 
Right, right, right. But still very dense, I think. Definitely. Um, yeah. <laughs> I I was really surprised and I don't I don't know if you all will like share the comparison, but I was very taken with how Tolkien-esque this sort of felt. Okay. Like I got like some very major Lord of the Rings vibes while reading this hmm. just with um I guess, I guess, like, just with the way it was structured, with the way that characters weaved in and out of the story right. and would connect and then separate and right. then reconnect with other characters. Right. And, and um, also, you know, Tolkien had a major uh, theme of, uh, like, kind of anti-industrialization um, oh, yeah. <laughs> in all of in his works and he like wrote articles about that. And that of course is, um, a component or somewhat similar, um, theme with this. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I guess, um, you know, for anyone who's not familiar with the book, it's, it's about a, a young girl named Nausicaa who comes from the Valley of the wind. Um, and, (laughs) It is very much a story of um, kind of it's a story about, you know, protecting the environment, um, the the kind of like corruptive nature of man and and being a steward of the environment. But it's also a story of, you know, war and um, it, it has a lot of supernatural elements, religion and, and government and politics play in really heavily. It, um, it, it sits pretty well, I think on the shelf with like Lord of the Rings and, and game of Thrones and those types of books and stories basically hits all of my, like, you know, interest in fiction yeah. in some way. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's really cool because, I mean, I, I, like I said, I had seen the movie. This is the first time I've read the manga all the way through. I'd, I'd read up to a certain point and then stopped uh, because of school getting in the way and things at one point. But um, this like very much scratched a manga itch that I've been looking for, right? Which is kind of just like this high fantasy, sprawling epic story, which Berserk kind of you know, got into that, but it was a little bit different. This is, yeah. Berserk, this is very much, go ahead. Yeah. Berserk is like less thematic, I guess. than Nausicaa's clearly has like a bigger picture story. I think that's more the focus and Berserk is more of like, feels more of like a personal struggle between guts and like everything. The, yeah. <laughs> the world, yeah. Well, mostly Griffith, but the world. Um, but yeah, no, Nausicaa definitely has like that, epic feel um and i was i was pleasantly surprised at how fleshed out the world felt um and i mean even though looking back i mean it is seven volumes it's not small but like it really felt like a a living breathing world with a bunch of different cultures and i i enjoyed kind of just even though i liked the story itself um i enjoyed just kind of learning about you know uh, how these cultures fit in to the history of the world, learning about their prophecies and, you know, um, how they all reacted to Nausicaa, how she interacted with them. It was all really well woven together, I thought. Yeah, I was really impressed by 
how well Miyazaki was able to differentiate all the different cultures because there, there are quite a few. You know, there are the two main kingdoms, the uh, Turomikians, I think. Yeah. Yes. I might be butchering that. And then the, the Dorokians, the, the Dorok folk. Dorok, yeah, or Dorok. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there's also, you know, the, the tribes at the periphery that um, make up, you know, like the Valley of the Wind and some of the other tribes. But then there are also all of the Dorok tribes and everything. So there are a lot of different people. And then there are the war- the worm handlers and the, the children mm-hmm. of the forest. And right. it, it's all kind of over- overwhelming, especially without any kind of um, like guide or appendices or something that you would find in the back of a yeah. you know similar fantasy novel but i was really impressed with the way miyazaki differentiated their um appearances and how well yeah. that i was able to keep track of everyone just by what they were wearing yeah right um because the dorox had those real interesting kind of like masks that kind of looked like sacks of some kind and then they had priests that had the very distinctive um, kind of like veil. uh, veils or yeah. and then like a, they, they had a bunch of eyes on them and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that was probably the most striking one, but definitely uh, they all have their little um, cultural distinction, things that can help you tell them apart. Mm-hmm. One of the things that about uh, this that was most interesting to me was it, you know, it, it's, it was serialized. It was a 59 chapters over the course of I, eight years. It looks like. Yeah. But yeah. more, it was like over a decade. Oh, um, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, okay, yeah it I'm was thinking. from, um, 1982 to 1994. Right. And yeah. <laughs> so the thing was when I was first reading it before I knew that I, I was like, man, this almost feels like it wasn't serialized. Like there weren't mm-hmm. like when you read like a lot of, other stuff even like more for lack of a better word like more intellectual stuff like pun pun there's still like you know the chapter breaks and all that yeah that kind of feel um more like okay here is where you can tell this is where this ended in In the weekly edition right yeah as it this is where like you would be like okay i can't wait to see what happens next week um whereas this the whole narrative from beginning to end felt pretty seamless. Like, right? There were very few, if any, moments where I was like, "Ah, here's where the chapter ends." Uh, it definitely had this feel like it was just more so than a lot of manga I've read, a lot of comics in general that are originally serialized. Like now that it's collected, it feels like one cohesive whole. That was very striking to me. Um, and I think that kind of aided, um, what we've been talking about, about how all these cultures are kind of, um, kind of, yeah, how, how they're represented, how they're, how everything develops, how this world is kind of fleshed out. Um, but it made me think, man, this would have been really rough to read as it was coming out, I think. Oh yeah. There's a lot to keep Uh, track of. Yeah, even even you know sitting down and reading it all in a few sittings, it's still you know that's yeah. a lot. You know, just getting like bits and pieces of that every yeah. 
it, it wouldn't be every week if it took 60 mm. chapters over no. uh, 12 years. That's what, it, is my math correct? Right, That's an average right. of, Just remembering like where each character is in like a given yeah. moment, you know, like what group they're with or what area that they're in. Um, right. Is tough. Yeah, I can't. I can't actually imagine that'd be. Yeah, you would definitely have to have some kind of recap or something. Right. Um, but, um, but the characters themselves are extremely memorable. I think, and like, um, they make a really strong impression. Yeah. And there, are, there are many of them that are that are that way. You know, it, I I have a hard time with this, like picking out who I thought was like the most interesting and the most compelling character, because some of these characters, even though it is kind of like a short work, go through some pretty wild, um, like character arcs. Um, even ones that I wouldn't necessarily expect, like, um, the, the brother of the Dorok emperor, who right. is kind of, you know, positioned as this big bad, and yeah. then his story takes a wild turn. Yeah, he just... <laughs> just, oh, yeah. all right, <laughs> that's the end of that. He's, de- he's dead. <laughs> right, right, which, um, you know, I... One of the, the themes, we've talked a little bit about the themes of this book, I think one of them is something that I, I really like, but isn't always, like, played up, is, like, the, you know, like, the banality of evil, like... Mm-hmm. how how kind of like uninteresting or or rote evil actually is and ha- stories where evil meets a kind of like very uninteresting end yeah um and we see that a lot in this book yeah for sure yeah well the first the first guy i think was the most interesting the brother of the emperor Right, right. Because the, the emperor, the 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 guy you were talking about before is the guy who just gets his head chopped off. Oh later. no, I'm, I was talking about the brother of oh, the emperor. Okay, the guy yeah, who the yeah. guy who finds peace in the in the in the, in the, the dream realm or yeah, whatever. The, the, yeah, the Yeah, that was interesting. Yes, that was interesting. Yeah, yeah, but I yeah I think he's the most interesting. But then yeah, but then like the actual emperor who yes, um, he meets like a very just kind of like, oh, well, okay, that's the end. Um, and, um, and we see a lot of that with the, I guess, antagonist characters. Yeah, I thought it was, I mean, maybe this is stretching a little bit, but I kind of thought that, you know, the the first guy, even though he died, he found peace in the end. He, he had accepted nature. He'd kind of, you know, become, I don't want to say become one with it, but he had kind of um, been sent to this, you know, paradise that Nausicaa saw in her vision or dream, whatever that was. Um, but the actual emperor, he was relying on his reliance on technology. Um, I think they were trying to show that that was, you know, definitely part of his downfall because he was, I think both of them actually were doing these weird kind of submersions and like uh, vats of Yeah, liquid. hanging out in like back to tanks and things. Yeah, and, and like, um, ch- uh, some futuristic stuff like they were they were like um transplanting yeah what what's the word like yeah, basically cloning and, cloning and, and like and trying to, searching for eternal youth basically by like putting themselves into younger bodies and things like that um mm-hmm. so i just thought his his death which was like 
very violent as compared to the the first guy who eventually found peace. Um, because the second, the, the actual emperor was just, you know, he was he was kind of, like you said, he was kind of framed as like the final villain, and he can end up just dying very kind of in this like really shameful, mm. pathetic way. Yeah, <laughs> without yeah. learning anything. So. Mm-hmm. Well, and and also, I think one thing that this book does a lot is, um, like, play with your expectations in regard to who who is right and who is wrong, all the way up to the very end. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess it's maybe a little too early to like get into like the end game discussion, but even there at the end, you know, it's kind of you're left to doubt a little bit about what the protagonists are doing and if they're doing the right thing. And yeah, the final, the final, I guess like antagonist is framed very much as this figure of, of goodness and light and benevolence. And um, it's, it's, it was a way more challenging work than I expected, I yeah. guess. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Way, way more like of a, Miyazaki was a, a way bigger proponent of like nihilism and um, <laughs> like just schools of thought than I than I expected. Yeah, I guess I expected it just based on what I've seen of I've seen like a couple of his movies. Like I've seen Spirited Away and House Moving Castle, and I guess I just expected this to be kind of uh, more black and white. Um, mm-hmm. Not that that would have been bad necessarily, but um, I am glad that there were you know more wrinkles to the thematic elements than just um you know protect the environment which that was definitely there <laughs> that let's 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 be clear <laughs> um yeah 100% there's really no you know misinterpreting that message um but yeah there were other and um i'm not sure he i was also expecting him to be way more pessimistic towards humans i guess and in the end it kind of seemed like he did think there were things worth preserving um as evidenced by that garden that Nausicaa goes to, where the only things there, and I thought this was very poignant, the guy says these are the only things worth preserving for when the world is um, purified, which he said, like, art and uh, music, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, which was juxtaposed by, you know, the crypt that holds... All that technology. All the other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah the wisdom and, and knowledge, um, I guess. Yeah. Quote-unquote wisdom. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was a really interesting juxtaposition that the whole last volume I think is just kind of this really great tour de force. I, I liked it a lot. Yeah. I think that's where I, um, I mean, I was liking it up until the last volume, but I really, really got into it when um, the God warrior awakened and Nausicaa was kind of guiding him um, to the, the ruins or the, the crypt. Um, mm-hmm. It had a very okay. Now I know the Iron Giant came out like twenty years later, but it had kind of an Iron Giant feeling to me, which is maybe part of why I also liked it. Um, you know. Yeah. Well, you know that's interesting because if if I'm remembering correctly, so the the way the movie goes is it it matches the manga pretty much up until the point in the story where you know pretty early on where there's the the baby Omu mm-hmm. that the yeah. Doroks are using as bait essentially right. to yeah. bring in the, the Omu herd or whatever. Yeah. 
So, so like the story goes up to that like pretty closely. And then somewhere around that point, um, they bring in the God warrior. Okay. And that kind of plays out in a very like much more like simplified way. And it, you end up, it ends up with this kind of ending of hostilities and, right. and Nausicaa kind of gets a, a much more, um, simplified, you know, Messiah type story than the one we see here. And it just kind of like all wraps up a little bit cleaner and the the God warrior is present, but doesn't play nearly as big of a role. Um, So that's kind of how it gets wrapped up because the, you know, by that point in the story, the God warrior had been established as like this potential threat, but in the manga, it doesn't come into play until much, much later, which was something I really, really liked. Yeah, I mean, he was kind of hinted, they were kind of hinted at um, a bit. And I think even in one of the earlier volumes, one of the, I guess it was the Dorox had one. Well, then, that was one of the initial I, I, conflicts was. Oh, the, they were um, getting. The, the device that. Um, <coughs> the stone or the, yeah, the jewel. Yeah, the stone. Whatever that was. Yeah. Right. yeah. Mm-hmm. That would um, control them. Um. I thought that guy would play a way bigger role, by the way. As the um, Asbel. Asbel? Yeah, because okay. I, I kind of yeah. got these vibes of, like, you know, Nausicaa, he and Nausicaa are going to have a little uh, romance going on. And actually, I was I was glad that that didn't really happen <laughs> at all, really. Yeah. For, for Right. Yeah. Um, there, there were a few characters that you almost kind of expect that with. You know, there's him, and then there's the... Kushana uh, and Kuratawa. That, but I was thinking about. Um, I'm blanking on his name now. He's he's the one of the the forest children who um, oh. communicates with her a lot. Um, no, he's the, not the child, but oh, the other. Oh, uh, Seam is that his Selm? name? Or, yeah, Selm. Yeah, Selm. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, that's kind of another like potential love interest type, and right. and Miyazaki kind of keeps throwing these characters out there that you expect to fit into certain tropes, but really don't. Yeah. Um, he's, yeah. just, he's just not interested in that. Yeah. Right. Well, Nausicaa is kind of, kind of becomes like a force of nature later. She doesn't even really inner. I mean, she, she clearly has a lot of empathy for the people, but like, she really does kind of come become this like godlike figure towards the end and kind of really, steps into that role in such a way that it's almost like, wow, I'm glad she didn't have some like kind of banal, boring romance with this guy. Um, Mm -hmm. Which, you know, not that that would have ruined it or anything, but I think it helped the story that that wasn't really a concern for her at least. Yeah. I, um, I was really impressed with kind of how, Miyazaki handled her as this messianic figure. Um, I feel like when you get into these sort of like chosen one stories, it can become it. It can it can be really hard to swallow pretty quickly, you know, or you know, it just or yeah. it becomes pretty uninteresting. The character becomes uninteresting, right? Potentially, but I, I never really felt like that with Nausicaa. I think part of that was she spent so much time away from other people, um, yeah, or like 
moving between different groups rather than with the same people for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to, um, to draw a comparison to something that's otherwise not at all, um, similar. I don't know if you've read the, uh, fantasy series, The Wheel of Time. Uh, I haven't, but yeah. I am fam- semi-familiar. So, you know, that also has its messianic figure. And uh, Robert Jordan, the author of that, he, he had, um, in some interview, he talked about how what was interesting to him is with these sort of stories, you know, you it kind of gets boring when it's like, oh, you know, the chosen one's here. All right, we're going to go ahead. Um, and, you know, everyone just kind of falls in line and um, all that. Um, so what he did is one way to avoid that, whereas in his case, the main character instead um, has to deal with people who don't believe in him or people who do believe in him but don't agree with their other allies and all that, and there's, like, you know, all this conflict. I think that Miyazaki takes the other um, ma- mature, more nuanced way of approaching it, of just keeping Nausicaa at a distance from yeah. everybody else. Um, is able mm-hmm. that, that there's a lot that can be done with that while keeping up that like um, suspension of disbelief and all that. So. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I mostly agree with that. Um, but I don't really think that Nalska was the most interesting character, and I'm not saying you guys were saying that necessarily, but um, I think um, she was fine as someone that like carried the plot. But I was more interested in people like. Um, I mean, as far as, like, character moments with them, like, Kushana, uh, especially, um, I was always interested to read her scenes, and for a while there, even when they were on the same side, um, or even when they kind of came together to face the Doroks, and then later to, um, kind of fight against the people that were trying to impede her, her march to the, to the crypt, um, I kind of figured, like, she'd double-cross her again, but then there was that scene, um where she was with her men in a trench and uh, she realized that the way to get the insects to stop attacking was to just stay still and, uh, you know, not fight, basically. And you so you saw her kind of have her, like, epiphany moment um, based on her time with Nausicaa, which I thought was neat. Um, I guess I just... With Nausicaa, the... Like, I guess her main thing was, like, she, she felt bad about... Um, you know, leading to the the deaths of people in like that one that one battle she was in. But I, I I feel like maybe they could have explored that a little bit more. I guess I just wasn't really because because she felt like such an overwhelmingly good character. I didn't. I, I guess I didn't really buy that she was that there was any darkness in her. Really, if that makes any sense. Well, I don't think I, there needs to be. No, um, it's it's kind of like a. It's kind of like the old like superman you know mary sue argument i guess right um although i I will like really quick like interject i agree with you i think kushana is probably the most like interesting character in the book she's really cool but in in, like a i think the two play off of each other really well you know to like draw out the like superman comparison if if nausicaa is superman then kushana is almost kind of like the lex Luthor character Hmm. you know the the one who is more grounded and and quote unquote relatable by human standards and kind of trying to do 
the same things in different ways with a little bit more like moral ambiguity, you know? Um, Right. I think, yeah, the two like play off of each other really well. Well, I think, I think the conflict with Nausicaa and Nausicaa, the character and Nausicaa, just the series itself, um, is that even once you do strip away like all these petty concerns, all, you know, all these, you know, political squabbles and all that, and you get rid of that, well, there's still that, you know, what do we do with this? You know, you mentioned nihilism earlier. And there, I think that's more the, uh, the main conflict and the climactic conflict, um, of the book is kind of, um, the, a rejection of this nihilism. You know, we can, we can do all we want about like, moaning about oh man you know just humans they're the worst yeah Uh, but in the end we just kind of have to deal with what we have no matter how much we've ruined everything um it's no use to just kind of let things um i I, that's how i read it anyway it's not worth it to just let things salt the earth start from scratch we need to make Earth yeah. yeah, we need to make do with yeah. what we have. Yeah, I well, go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, you go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say. Um, yeah, I thought I, I thought Miyazaki was actually just based on what I know of his other works. Um, I thought he was gonna come down way harder on humanity, actually. And I mean, sure, like humans were were punished greatly in this story, but I think he seemed that the message seemed pretty hopeful. I mean, like Walter said, the final. Uh, message kind of seemed to be like, you know, things are awful and all you can really do is strive. Um, and that's what, that's what they were doing at the end of the, of the series, which, um, you know, just kind of picking up where they left off rebuilding. Um, like that kind of accepting uh, their lot. Yeah. I I like that little like closing note where it's like, this is as good of a place to end as any, you know. This, yeah. This wasn't, yeah. This wasn't the end, but it was right. an end. It's, it's an end, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, um, it, it is really interesting because it's almost like two different nihilistic bents, I guess, kind of warring against each other. You have the, the one that's like, um, you know, humanity is always evil, and so the only way to fix things is to just wipe them out and start over, which is, I guess, the ideology of the the old people, essentially. Right. Yeah. Um, but then even even Nausicaa's decision at the end, I think, it can be taken with a little bit of moral ambiguity because she essentially, you know, she has the knowledge of what humanity's fate may be at the end of this rebirth. Um, but right. she chooses to kind of, I guess, like what you said, you know, you like pick them up, pull them up by their bootstraps and just kind of like go with it, you know, just like live life and come what may, right. which, which is like very hopeful, but also, um, right. You know, you're not necessarily expecting a happy ending. Yeah. Um, right. This, it, it's, it's really interesting. I think it's not as cut and dry as yeah, like you said, Emily, what I would have expected. Yeah. I think, and I think, like, I don't think that, you know, there were maybe any more big wars or anything, but it kind of makes you think maybe, you know, this isn't, you know, there wasn't just, like, a happily ever after necessarily. There was still work to do. 
you know, and um, things to fix, mm -hmm. even though Nausicaa kind of came as this uh, godlike figure. Um, she kind of paved the way, I guess, um, showed them how to live and how to relate to nature um, and to not accept this kind of nihilistic solution. Mm -hmm. that I, which I, I might have misinterpreted the end, but it seemed like, yeah, like just this kind of like, let's just do it all over again. Um, she right. was not going to accept yeah. that. So. Right, right. Yeah, it, I, I should, I could probably like reread the end a few times yeah, because of just yeah. how like dense there, it was. A lot, to, a yeah. lot of meat on that. Yeah, yeah, because you essentially have, you know, this this being of, of pure light who's espousing a philosophy that I think in most stories would be seen as the the righteous path, I guess. Yeah. You know, the, the like, more of the messianic type yeah. than, that you would expect. And then she comes in and and is kind of offering a, an alternate take that, that's still good, but not, I, it's, I don't know, it's like, it's way more to unpack than I think any of the other things that we've necessarily, yeah. other than maybe like Pun Pun. Right. There was a lot to unpack right. in Pun Pun. <laughs> Those two we could have gone like an hour and a half, two yeah, hours on that. They but. seem very kind of like big idea books. Um, like I definitely, obviously Miyazaki like had a message in my, a big message in mind when he was, when he was writing this. Um, yeah. And I think most of it's pretty clear. Um, and I'm not, I don't mean to say like, oh, it's like really simple to grasp and it's, it's just kind of like black and white there for you. But um, it's presented in, in a pretty uh, poetic, um, compelling way, I think for the most part. I, yeah, I think that's a great way of putting it. It is poetic. It's a little abstract. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah I kind of thought like I, for some reason I was, as I was reading too, I kind of was paying attention to kind of the escalating, the way that the weapons they were using were escalating. Like I kind of, obviously the mold was kind of like, I guess, biological warfare, kind of like, um, like gas, I, I guess I would like, uh, compare it to like mm -hmm. a real world equivalent. And then obviously I think the God warriors are like the closest you get to like nukes. I mean, yeah, there's that, there's um, that whole like, uh, panel with like yeah. a mushroom cloud and all that. Yeah. Which I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I don't think that's like a earth shattering discovery on my part or anything, but, um, I guess like what, as I was paying attention to that, I thought maybe it would be more of an, indictment of war in general, but I think it's just more like indictment of humans um, misusing resources. Um, we kind of ruined everything. Yeah, kind of. Well, but we also create <laughs> great things, um, which I think he, I'm glad that he, I'm glad it wasn't, I think I would have liked the story way less if he hadn't at all acknowledged like humans creating good and beautiful things, you know, um, it would have been. It would. I think it would have. Wouldn't have. Uh, would have rung a bit more hollow, um, if that hadn't at least been touched upon. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, he presented a very like realistic view because even by the end, you know, you come away with this idea that rebirth. You know, the, the rebirth that was planned. You know, could not get rid of imperfection and corruption because that's innate in humanity and that's not inherently a bad thing you know it's just natural right and yeah it, i i thought that was good right um but it is interesting that you bring up like the weaponry and things mm -hmm. because that um reminds me of something i wanted to talk about really quick 
um, maybe as we kind of transition into art, um, is how Miyazaki is a like really big fan of um, aeronautics and planes and things, and that's such a yeah. huge part of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the way that he, just like how incredible all of those sh- the ships that he designed were, and and how well he managed to kind of like capture the the sensation of, of flight and, you know, those aerial type yeah. battles and maneuvers was um, kind of just like mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to me. Um, I, I was certainly impressed um, with like the action of, of course, um, and, and that kind of movement, as you say, um, and, and the um, sense of, yeah. Flying. Yeah, the sense but... of flying. Um, something that was very interesting to me um, that I noticed when I was first reading it, and um, then I like did a little bit of research about it because I felt like I'd heard about this before. Um, so I don't know if uh, either of you are familiar with um, Mobius's comic Arzak, I believe it's pronounced, or he, a he did bit. a few of them. Um, basically the whole, there were these silent comics that he did silent as in, you know, no dialogue at all, but, and it was basically, you had this, uh, little figure of a man, um, who was like writing a pterodactyl kind of thing. And he would just like fly through, um, exotic locations with extraordinary things and all that. And, um, you know, Right from the start, that the the various images of Nausicaa on her glider made me think of Arzak, and you know I kind of did some research about that, and yeah, sure enough, uh, Miyazaki has said that um, Mobius was a major inspiration for him. He he did um, Arzak was the first thing he read, and they ended up becoming good friends. Right. Um, I, I actually have a little thing up here pulled up that says that Mobius named his daughter Nausicaa. Wow. <laughs> Wow. Um, Uh, yeah, that's, that's really interesting that you bring that up because I do think that, um, Miyazaki's style here has a much more European feel than a lot of manga that I've read. Yeah. I, and I, part of that makes me think, um, you know, a lot of, most of what we've read, um, if not all of it, um, until now, has been at least since the mid nineties. Well, now we read Jojo. We talked about Jojo. Jojo. Well, um, not on the actual podcast. Right. Um, um, the thing this is, this is the oldest thing I think we've. I mean, at least it started in um, early eighties. So, so yeah. In, in one um, interview, there's this interesting uh, thing that he said. He says um, he's talking about Arzak. He says I, I read it in 1980, and it was a big shock, not only for me, all manga authors were shaken by this work, and that kind of like made kind of something click in my head. I was thinking more about um, that kind of mid eighties to early nineties, some of the manga that you see there. And in particular, not to deviate too much from the subject of the podcast, but you know, some like the art that you, you see for like um, that era of like video games, like final fantasy and Mm -hmm. stuff like that, you know, getting, 
Right. Very influ- mm-hmm. Like obviously, um, or I, it seems very likely that you know Chocobos and Final Fantasy are. Oh yeah. At least partially inspired by. Oh, what are they called? In horse the- claws, right? Horse claws. Horse claws. That's yeah. They, it's weird because they started. They called them horses. Right. And at yeah, one point they said, "Can you believe horses used to be mammals?" Right. Which yeah. I guess right, is, right. is which confused me. But then they said how they had like genetically engineered animals. I think in the end. I mean, it's a small point, but still. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I. But yeah, you're I, right. The the Final Fantasy connection is like definitely there too. Now that I think about oh, yeah. it, like if you if you look at like um, what uh, Yoshi Taka Amano's uh, art. Yes, yeah. Amano. It has that like very. Um, it, it kind of, uh, it diff- fits in that wheelhouse. I think yeah, the clo- I think like the closest. Like I know the story of Final Fantasy Nine. I think had had an environmentalist bent, and I was thinking about that. As I read Nausicaa, I was like, I think that's, like, definitely the style can kind of be applied to many different Final Fantasies. I mean, the airships and everything, kind of a staple. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I, I just feel like a lot of the stuff that we've read goes on. It's from, like, a certain branch, you know, that kind of maybe started with Fist of the North Star and the Dragon Ball into, you know, all these other, you mm-hmm. know, obviously when we're talking Shonen stuff, this is often the case. But I felt that this was... This was uh, kind of going down a different um, kind of influential path. And, you know, we kind of with here with Nausicaa, um, we're kind of like getting a look at the beginning of that kind of uh, style as it like formed among the pioneers of that time and then the folks who came after them. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, you know, it's an interesting look at. Um, and you certainly see this. um in American comics as well, where there are so many American comics artists are just influenced by other American comics artists and not kind of looking globally. And likewise, you see, you do see some, there are some like manga artists who they, it just, it does seem to just be like a chain of this person very heavily influenced yeah. by this person who is very influenced by this person, a clear chain of people working in a similar style as opposed to, in this case, kind of looking with a more global influence, uh, perhaps, uh, that made something new um, that Miyazaki kind of achieved with this and his contemporaries as well. As he said, uh, again, it wasn't only him who noticed uh, Mobius and fell in love. Yeah. Right. That is, like, really cool to like, I don't know. When we talk about art and these things um, with not having kind of the Japanese context, it's harder to sort of like trace those lineages, but um, it is interesting here to have a, um, an influence that comes from maybe, you know, like a, a part of comics that at least, you know, like you and I, Walt are a little more familiar with and, um, yeah, that's cool. Well, it's always, I, yeah, uh, it's always neat when you can, like, very, um, like, clearly trace a certain artist's influence to, like, a particular work. Like, usually we'll say things like, oh, this looks more, this looks like it's maybe inspired by Western artists gener- generally, but in the case of Nausicaa, clearly it had, you know, a, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, an artist that uh, Miyazaki had an artist that he was very inspired by and um, 
in a big way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really interesting to me too, that, um, you know, Miyazaki has done a few other small manga works over time, but this is, um, his only major work. He, right. you know, has spent all of his other time in animation. So yeah. it's, it's kind of even more interesting that you have this like finished final product mm-hmm. and, but it, you know, it's over, it's over two decades old and it, um, I don't know. It's just kind of interesting to see, I guess you can maybe like speculate on how like his styles and influences changed over time by looking at his films. But even then, you know, those are produced by a large crew of animators working under him and everything. Right. And this is like the only, I, I guess like pure work of his in that regard. Right. right. That's a good point. I didn't actually know that. I thought maybe he'd done some more manga. I, so from like what I've seen, he's done like a few smaller right. works and a lot of his films, I think he had done manga. Like I know he did a short manga for The Wind Rises and a, mm. and a few other things, but my knowledge, this is yeah. this is the only major work. Right. Well, it's interesting he can storyboard both animation and comics. I wonder if... I mean, this is kind of off topic. I just wonder how different that is. If that was hard for him, but yeah, I don't know. It's kind of I, another thing entirely. Yeah, I mean, I guess like other than the level of detail, maybe it's pretty similar. Yeah. And and that is one thing. Like the degree of detail in this is oh yeah, extraordinary, unbelievable. Yeah. I don't I don't even know. Um, yeah, just the forests and like the um, herds of Omu. Um, just all of the, like, uh, cityscapes, I guess you'd call it, um, mm-hmm. ruins and everything. It all looked pretty darn good. Yeah. Well, um, I feel like that wraps up most that we have to say kind of like within our, our time constraints. You know, this is a book that could definitely be picked apart a lot. And I actually, um, you know, maybe we can direct listeners. I saw that um, that Robots of Tomorrow, are one of our sister podcasts on Multiversity, um, recently looked at Nausicaa as well. Kind of a you know coincidence. I, I didn't know that they were doing that, but yeah, and I believe uh, Mark uh, Tweedale um, wrote a review of it as well. So oh, okay. just completely by coincidence, a kind of uh, <laughs> maybe that's what it was. Was it? Maybe that's what it, it was. It, I thought Robots of Tomorrow had done it, but. Uh, maybe I should check myself. <laughs> Before you wreck yourself. Yeah. Uh, oh wait. We'll just let we'll let Brian. Uh, was it really five days ago? Edit that out. Oh. Yeah. Um. It was it's Mark. Like- Mark did a review of it. Um. On December twentieth, and I, oh, okay, I, that's what it was. You know, not not just I don't just say this uh, because there. This is a fellow multiversity writer, but for real, Mark is a really good writer. Um, I highly recommend if you want uh, kind of more insight onto it, uh, go ahead and read his review on it. It's uh, yeah. Every, every he's he's also our guy who um, does uh, Hellboy and General Mike Mignola annotations. Everything he does is real great. All right, so yes, disregard my comment, but still also <laughs> check out Robots from Tomorrow because they're very they are very cool. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> um, but yeah, that uh, that kind of like wraps up our Nausicaa talk. And Emily has our pick for next month. Yes, it's my turn. And we are reading the first two volumes of Vinland Saga by Makoto Yukimura. So yeah, join us for that. I'm pretty excited for that. Yeah. I wanted to check it out for a while. Yeah, so it's, um, as far as I know, um, I mean, this could change. Uh, I don't know much about the story, but it seems like it's a pretty pure historical fiction manga. It doesn't seem like it's going to delve too much into the fantasy aspect. Uh, um, unlike, you know, something like Berserk, which definitely has the kind of medieval aspect to it, but is also kind of, is very, uh, uh, also heavy on the supernatural elements. So this should be, this should be an interesting contrast, I think. All right. So we're going to take a quick break and then we will be back to, um, talk about weekly Shonen Jump, um, maybe in a little bit different way than, than we normally do, but we'll get to that later. If you're, if you're curious, come back after the upcoming break. (laughs) Hello, podcast listeners. We're the hosts of the DC3Cast. I'm Zach. I'm Vince. And I'm Brian. Each week, we discuss most of the new releases from DC Comics, focusing mainly on Rebirth, Wildstorm, and Young Animal. We also look at the news of the week, discuss the film and television adaptations of DC material, and dig into industry rumors. We've also had a number of DC creators on our show, like Scott Snyder, Jim Lee, Christopher Priest, Steve Orlando, and Joshua Williamson. So, if you like Borat jokes, my wife, bad to end Dio impressions, this is bad, what the f***? And an in-depth look at DC each week, join us every Wednesday morning at multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. Come get Jurgens with us all right welcome back um as usual we're going to be spending the uh, second part of the podcast talking about weekly shonen jump but for something a little bit different um we're going to it's a new year new possibilities (laughs) but also a good time to look back and reflect on the previous year um and much like we started our podcast uh, we're going to be looking back at what we thought was good in uh, Weekly Shonen Jump 2017, not so good. Highlights, lowlights isn't a word, but, you uh, know. Yeah, lows. Lows, just highs and lows. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, and I think that maybe a good one to start off on was, start off on is what we've probably, I don't know if we've spent the most time talking about on the podcast, but quite a bit. Um, we never... Sorry, not we never learn. We, we joke about that. Is that that's your that's your favorite this year, right? That that is my favorite, actually. No, <laughs> uh, favorite. Uh, no, the, the promise Neverland. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know if I'd say it was my favorite this year, but there's just so much to talk yeah. about. It, it was really just a runaway hit, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's I think it's only going to become bigger next yeah. year, probably. I, I, I think it has the makings of a hit. Right. I, I'm really happy with where it got to this year, um, with how it progressed, and I think it's at a really interesting spot right now. Um, mostly because the the main characters finally escaped the the confines of the orphanage and are kind of out and about in the quote-unquote real world, and we're starting to see some of the big players, the big bad guys, if you will. Um I don't know. It's just I find it to be a pretty, uh, pretty compelling 
interesting read pretty much every week, um, even when something huge isn't happening. And um, I'm just very interested to see it continue. And I, and I hope it, like you said, I hope it continues to to pick up steam because, like, I I honestly feel like it's also pretty ripe for like an anime adaptation or something. I'd be interested to see something like that that's shonen, but it's not like a shonen action series um, adapted. I mean, who knows if, that, if that's going to happen? But regardless, I hope um, it continues uh, getting the recognition it deserves for sure. Yeah, me too. I think it's in a really good place right now. Um, the first paperback collection just got released um, back in December, right here in the right. states. So it's kind of now out in that bookstore market and. Yeah, it kind of seems like you, you said, Emily, it's ripe for an anime ap- adaptation and, it, and it's kind of set, you know, to take off. I think, yeah, I think it has the makings of potentially one mm-hmm. of those, those kinds of series, you know? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, right. so we'll see. I'm, yeah, I think maybe of all the books in here, it's, it's the one I'm most interested to see where it goes in 2018 because it, it seems like it still has so much, um, kind of freshness and potential and in where it might go. Yeah. Right. And there's just nothing else like it in the magazine right Mm -hmm. now. Um, Right. I think that maybe in just broader, um, in the broader sense of like the manga market across publishers, maybe the closest thing in tone, even though I haven't read much of it at all, um, just a couple of chapters would be um, there's some, there are some similarities I think with uh, Attack on Titan. Obviously, that is more action oriented, but it has some similar. I think yeah, there's the sense of being ideas. of being enclosed in a space and hiding from a larger threat that is hunting you. Essentially, right. um, there's that. I think that's the biggest similarity. Um, but for the most part, it's it's very right. unique. I think right. One series that um, I thought I, I thought had a great year last year, and I think still had an, a pretty good year this year, but I wasn't like I, I had issues with was uh, Food Wars. I don't think it was the shining star that it was last year. Mm. Like last year, I I for when I was uh, still actually participating in Multiversity's uh, year end um, stuff. <laughs> Sorry, Brian, if you're hearing this while you're editing um you know i i put food wars in like one of my top ongoing comics period i thought last year was fantastic and this year it was it was still good but um not not to uh retread um some grievances i've aired before um after all festivus was a <laughs> week or so ago you've already yeah. aired your grievances um but i i I felt like it, it's kind of fallen a bit too much into its pattern. Um, right. And I, I I just think that it's it's kind of losing its spark a little bit. It's still exciting. It's still something I'm always looking forward to read. But in the end, it's one of, it's one of those things where like sometimes I'm like, oh man, I really like this. Yeah. What, what I'm reading. But then if I like look back on what happened this year, I'm like, you know, well. Not a lot of it really stuck with me. Like yeah. I, I like it in the moment. Right. It's um, uh it felt like it played a little safe this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it it fell back on a lot of the same tropes that we've seen in in kind of other story arcs. You know, we've had this like really 
long um, sort of um, Shokugeki arc between the resistance and uh, central and yeah, it's, it's been more of the same good food wars, but nothing necessarily outside of expectations. Right. And I think just the general format of the way the Shokugekis go, I think it's, I think food wars, uh, this makes it the easiest series to kind of, let you see the seams, you know what I mean? Like of how these fights are structured and you can kind of, kind of interpret it like on a meta level and say like, Oh, well this guy lost this time. So that must mean she's going to lose now. Or, you know, I mean, there's only so many ways and we talked about this previously, but there's only so many ways you can do these kinds of things. Um, and it's not that I don't have confidence that the author can, can surprise us, but, um, just with this kind of long drawn out tournament arc, you're really starting to see the, uh, not that trope is a dirty word, but I mean, you know, the, the kind of uh, tropes at play, um, just because it's a long extended arc and it's going to lead up to a big showdown. I'm kind of just itching for it to get to that point. Yeah, I, I think that's the main yeah. thing. Yeah, and I'm excited for that. I'm sure that will be good. But I think now it's just kind of, it's going on a bit too long. And, and not that it has dragged, but I'm starting to, I'm starting to feel it Yeah. more so. Speaking yeah. of things dragging, um, One Piece this year... Another one where it's like, oh, it's a favorite, but yeah, might not have had its best year. I love One Piece. It's one of my favorite comics, but, you know, I can't help but just kind of want this arc to end, or at least for this current villain to be put down. Sorry, Big Mom. Um, I know that's... A, <laughs> uh, I just... I don't really know. It kind of feels like... I know a lot of people complain about Dressrosa. I will never understand the amount of hatred it got like okay i i know i know that there were definitely points where stuff lasted a long time but i never it never felt like it was treading water as much as i feel like this arc is um the dress rosa defender has long gone yes i'm the dress roses the dress roses stan um i don't know i just this this kind of uh the, the current like um arc feels a little uninspired as far as like I don't know. It feels like it's going to end kind of like anticlimactically. Um, Especially after like the kind of degree of padding it seems to have gotten. Right. And it had some good... Even by, you know, showing fighting manga. Right. And and don't get me wrong. I mean, Dressrosa also had padding for sure, but I felt like it ended so... No, every one of those, what is it, hundred chapters? Oh, essential. uh, Every every single one was very important. That that arc is so good. Um, (laughs) I don't care. I'm I'm saying that 100% seriously. Um... It ended, like, extremely, like, kind of powerfully. Even if I didn't like all parts of the ending, I was like, wow, that was a really great arc. This one, I'm just kind of like, um, well, this was kind of neat, I guess. Like, it doesn't really feel like he's taking it as seriously. I don't know. And I I know this is a silly shounen action manga. Uh, It's always the caveat. Uh, Um, No such thing. (laughs) And and there were some some good points this year. Um, There was Big Mom's backstory, which I liked. And I thought we were going to... Get kind of more into some weird. I thought I thought we'd, I thought we'd get the payoff in that in mm-hmm. 2017. I should I should have known. I know Oda. I know it's going to take like three years for this to pay off, probably. But you know what? I can I can only I can only hope. Um, we got some good returning characters. We got Capone, uh, the gangster guy. He had some cool cool scenes. Um, Sanji Sanji was kind of a focus of this arc, which was nice. Um, after not having seen this half of the crew. 
um, since for like three years because in Dressrosa, uh, most of these characters were gone um, or were were just off screen, basically. Um, But yeah, I'm just kind of itching for the the whole crew to get back together because I I really miss a lot of those characters that we left um, on uh, the island called Zoe. So um, yeah, I'm just maybe in 2018. Probably in 2018. I think, I think finally it is kind of, kind of, um, winding down because Big Mom is like finally within striking distance of them. For a while she was just kind of out of reach because she was chasing them. So I'm hoping, you know, and I'm hoping that Luffy, sorry, this is, this is a bit rambly, but this is our end of year airing of grievances. Um, you know, I just, I just kind of hope that it, it kind of gets back on track with the more compelling characters. Which I'm just, uh, just a lot of the characters this compelling. arc I wasn't. Shut up. <laughs> the, <laughs> you didn't like Senor Pink? What a compelling character hey, he no, was. Hey, no, I love Senor Pink. Um, uh, I, yeah, I think I, it, it just, it was just floundering a bit this year, I think. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited to ten- tentatively, tentatively announce my intention to read all of One Piece in 2018. Wow. Uh, you can do it. I, if you do, Zach, and, Please don't feel like you have to, and or if you like start and need to stop, I'm not gonna have my feelings hurt. But if you do, maybe we should have a special One Piece catch up episode or something. That would be pretty <laughs> awesome. I I've just been thinking about it because you know, 2017 I did my big Naruto read through. That's right. Yeah, and um, my like cyclical the cyclical nature of my brain is telling me that it's been about a year since I read a you know, multi-hundred chapter manga series and it's time to do it again. So, um, I think, I, th- about it. I think I calculated, uh, once that, um, last time, you know, I calculated this a few years ago, so it's longer now, but, uh, one piece is the length of three Cerebuses, um, wow. with, a, with a little less misogyny. Um, <laughs> well, that's that's easy. <laughs> um, so, Zach, correct me if I'm wrong. This was the first full year of Boruto, or uh, that's correct, I believe. Um, I think how do you started... think it's how how did its year go for you? Uh, so it's interesting because I think this could also launch a like interesting conversation about the state of monthly mm-hmm. comics in Weekly Shonen Jump. Um, because Boruto is actually the only one that I read. Um, okay. Uh, I I thought it was good. So it, this year it um, it started off like I've said before, adapting the the Boruto movie, um, and then this year it kind of finished that up and got into original content stuff. And mm-hmm. it's been a a little slow moving, just in that. You know, it it only has one chapter a month, and even though it is a little bit longer, it's still probably only about the size of, you know, maybe two chapters, two normal chapters. Um, So kind of like looking back at where the story's gone this year, there hasn't been a lot of progress, but it's still really good. And even just this chapter that we got in December is... um, I think doing some interesting things, like very much not just a retread of Naruto. Um, it's getting into some more like 
modern sci-fi tropes. It actually mm-hmm. kind of reminds me a little bit of the jump between Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z a little bit with how sci-fi Dragon Ball Z got. Right, right. Um, there's a little bit of that. Also, you know, I've made this comparison to the jump between Avatar, The Last Airbender, and Legend of Korra. Korra. It's like very kind of reminiscent of that. So I, I'm still really enjoying it. Um, yeah, I've, I've liked it a lot this year. And and not just because I'm the resident Naruto boy. The Naruto boy. <laughs> um, the Naruto liker. Yeah, it, it's... it's um, so you, you mentioned... <clears throat> It being a monthly comic, I, I believe I'm the only one of us who reads uh, Seraph of the End. Um, and I, I do think that that's another monthly one. And it is a little bit longer than standard chapters, but, you know, it still moves at this such a decompressed pace that I really, I don't think I could adequately tell you what exactly happened this entire year. Like, I, it, it gets blurry. Because it's still very, it's it's like trying to recap um, to cross genres, um, to a Bendis comic about like, oh, okay, well, you know, they're they're still here, uh, they're still doing this thing, and it, I just feel like, especially when you're reading in the same magazine of all these other things that come out so quickly, that the decompression isn't as noticeable, whereas it just feels like you know. Right, right now they're, they've been at this like kind of compound and it just feels like they've been there forever. Um, even though it's like hmm. still, you know, publishing what 30, 40 pages of comics a month. Hey, you know, that's normal for American comics. In fact, that's getting, you could argue like maybe that's even, that, that would even be rare for American comics. Um, right. Obviously there, there are different factors in it, but, um, yeah, it, it's, I just can't, I, I find it so much harder to be invested in these monthly series, which is weird coming from an American comics background, but whatever. <laughs> no, I'm with you totally because Seraph of the End is a book that I've like dabbled in every once in a while. And I've read the first, I think I've read the first volumes worth before to try and okay. kind of yeah, get yeah. into I think I it, you know? Um <laughs> But yeah, it's it's like you said, it's hard to kind of keep up with and stay invested in these monthly comics. I'm trying to think the other ones are um, Blue, Blue Exorcist, Exorcist, which I just and, don't really um, have any interest in. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Yu-Gi-Oh. Yu-Gi-Oh, which is kind of the same. <laughs> and then, you guys, and then that course, is so mean. <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh is so good. No, I've, like I said, I only have I only have nostalgia for the one bad TV series. But anyway. Well, I still get the cards, <laughs> even though I... I they told me I couldn't. I should have. Right. <laughs> I just got one in the other day. But, um, yeah. You, thank you, Viz. Um, but, and then, you know, for a minute, we had that Roroni Kenshin manga. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's, that's over. It's good. I'm glad that's not in the, the magazine anymore. Um, but, yeah. Was, I can, <laughs> what were you going to say? Uh, well... Maybe it's best if we just don't continue with that. Fair with that. Talk, discussing Rurouni Kenshin or the author. Fair enough. <laughs> but it's, um, you know, we have these at least like four core monthly series. And it it always seems like um, Blue Exorcist and Seraph of the End come out on the same day every month. So you have like this extra long issue or, or you know, they cut out some of the right. weekly ones that they take a break or something. But <clears throat> I just I just feel like I get to that issue. And it's just like, well... 
skip through these. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, do you feel like, Walter, and sorry if you touched on this before, but do you feel like it's paced like a weekly still? I mean, does oh, that make yeah, sense? The, the, pa- the pace is still very similar, um, yeah. or at least it feels that way. Maybe I, I'd ha- I guess I'd have to like set it side by side with, you know, something similar, but um, it's still a particularly a, from my, from, from like comparing to American comics, it's definitely slower um, than what right. like a monthly American comic in most circumstances would be. Depends on the writer, but um, yeah, it, it just feels like um, if if this was a book that was being published issue by issue, it would be canceled at this point just because people would have probably lost interest, which is one of the benefits of the um, anthology format, of course, that you know you can kind of go through these slower points. Um, and again, some certainly some big things happened, um, but it, I just feel like it's really testing me that. One day, it's there's going to be a chapter of it in there, and that'll just be the day I'm like, I don't feel like reading this, and then right. that'll just be it. The right. The wrap of the end. Yeah. And it, and it is interesting because it's like if you take a month off, that's essentially not exactly, but kind of like taking off four issues of another series, right. which would be you know kind of like a death knell to to reading it because you have to go back and catch up. So <clears throat> right. It is a lot easier to to fall off these books, I yeah. think. Particularly when Uh-oh. they've got large casts and convoluted stories, you know. So that's the other thing when it's like every – when it's just once a month, it's like, okay, wait a second. So th- there's this guy who's got his conflict with this fella and wait, mm-hmm. who's that again? Um, yeah. So. But, you know, One Punch Man is – I don't even know if it's really a monthly though. Is it's it a just whenever, kind of yeah, I think. whenever? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think we I think we were lucky we were lucky this uh year. I think we got a good amount of One Punch Man. I agree. Um and a good quality. Oh yeah. I helping. mean, it's almost <laughs> always good. It's yeah, I mean, but even, I felt like it, it just had a strong year even by One Punch Man standards, I think. Yes. Um Yeah. We normally like the words tournament arc kind of make me like, ooh, I don't know. But, oh, but it, it did its own One Punch Man take on it and it, it turned out well, I think. Yes. Um, yeah. And of course, Murata just continues to astound with every line that he puts on paper. Right. Um, I, I think, and I think we're, so I, I don't know much slash hardly anything about the original web comic. Um, but I, I definitely got, get a feel from like the, how the year ended that we're going to be, um, it, it's going to continue moving at its pretty solid, uh, clip it's been yeah. going at. Um, I think we're going, it's not too fast, not too slow. We're, we're going to hit, um, some shit's going to get crazier and Saitama might have to use more than, one punch, eventually. Oh man! Oh man! If he had to use two punches, that would just be like such a game changer. <laughs> I, I'd stop reading. That's fucked up. They can't do that. <laughs> um, the other uh, superhero comic, of course, is uh, My Hero Academia, which we've been talking about loads. Um, 
most of this year was that one arc. Is that correct? Yes, most because I remember the beginning of the year was when they met Night Eye, and that was kind of right. when it kicked off. Um, yeah, when they stormed the base, the headquarters of the um, uh, the mafia group mm-hmm. but, that the villain was head of. Right. Um, but even even though it's like it. I think that this is kind of like, you know, in contrast to what we were talking about with uh, One Piece, um, I felt like it had a very good pace to it. Like, I, it ended pretty much at just the right time, like, before I got yeah. tired of it, you know, while I was still excited about what was going on. Um, and it, it um, had... A certain, what can I say, um, it, it showed that it's not pulling any punches um, yeah. with sad death of Mr. Night Eye. Um, Sir Night Eye to you. Yeah, that's right. My <laughs> apologies. Um, it, it's not pulling any punches. Of course, death is a big thing in superhero comics. Return from death is a big thing, too, sometimes, but I don't think we'll be seeing that with Night Eye. No, uh, I, I don't think so. He doesn't seem like that kind of character. It would kind of cheapen it, but then again, most of these heroes coming back from the dead cheapens it, so maybe that will just continue with uh, his uh, love to kind of play with the tropes of superhero comics. Hopefully not. Right. I, I think he has, I think the, I think I think he has the sense to learn from their mistakes, too. Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. I, I think we may see some comebacks with other characters, like um, I, I'm misremembering the the character's name, but the one who lost his powers at the end of this arc, Mirio. <clears throat> yes, Mirio. yeah, the whole. Yeah, I, um, I I could see them, you know, using plot devices that have already been established. Eventually, like him getting his powers back in a really triumphant moment yeah. and, and kind of like mirroring that the kind of like resurrection trope and in a yeah palatable way and i think that'll probably happen i mean if he's going to continue to be a a force in the plot i think he's going to definitely get his powers back in some way and i'd be fine with that because i trust and i trust horikoshi's ability to convey these things in a compelling way and likewise um Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Overhaul did not die on screen. Right? I don't think so. He, he was he's kind of savaged. He, he's he's, he's got to come back in some form. He I had think. his arms ripped off, and um, in a pretty brutal scene. I don't really. Know. I think he might just be in. So okay, I think the other bad guys have him. I think Shigaraki at all have him. Okay. Um. So, but he, he'll definitely be coming back, causing trouble. Yeah, probably. We'll have more villains, most likely. Sure. Um, we also had a few new series this year um, that had varying reactions among us. Um, probably the best of them was Robot Laser Beam. It's had its ups and downs, but I think... I I think it's the standout new series, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely lately um, kind of picked up it's pace like there yeah. there was that time skip which at first i was uh leery of but i think it was for the best um now it can kind of get more into just doing ridiculous sports things <laughs> um 
rather than kind of becoming yeah. bogged down too much as it kind of was for a bit. Right, it got too realistic. And then they they parachuted into the um the tournament and that's when I was like, "Hell yeah. <laughs> this is lit." And we also we also we also got uh with the last chapter of 2017, we got the first hole in one, right? That that was the first one in the series, if I remember. I correctly. think the, if not it's the first one that was like a big deal. Okay. Um I th- yeah, I think you're right though. Yeah. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been such right. a big deal. And we'll see, you know, there'll, there'll be the in the story anyway. The reactions to it with the whenever the next chapter's out because <gasps> that that chapter just ended with the hole in one. Right. So, yeah, I, I definitely think that um, it stands above, shall we say, Doctor Stone, the other, which. Uh- Opinions are divided on this podcast about uh, Dr. Stone. I like it, actually. Um, I think I... This is weird to say. Like, I definitely... It definitely has problems. Like, it's it's kind of stupid plot-wise. Like, I don't really... I don't really know how strong of a, like, central theme it just, like, loving science is. Like, it just kind of seems... But I fucking love science. <laughs> You know what I mean, though. It just seems like an excuse. It's kind of like this. This would be a manga that would be approved by Neil deGrasse Tyson. He'd be like, "Oh, oh my, they, they did oh their my research." God. Someone, They're, I almost because because they used real science. This is a good comment. I almost want to see what he would say if someone tweeted him some stuff and like, look at all these. And they they even get someone a science consultant for everything. Yeah, but it, mm-hmm. it, even though I can kind of see the you know the man behind the curtain where it's just kind of a manga. That's just an excuse to be like, look at all this cool science stuff, basically. Um, I think it's entertaining to read. Like, I almost never... I always have fun reading it. I don't always think it's, like, the best thing I've read in the magazine. But I'm usually like, that was fun. I I, I smiled or chuckled at this. And, and the art is still really, really nice, I think, for the most part. Um Something. So I think I probably like it the most of all three of us. It's not my my favorite thing, but uh, I like it. I still sometimes get a bit weirded out by the way he draws women. But oh yeah, that's an issue. mostly the younger looking yeah. girls, yeah, for sure. But yeah, um, it, unfortunately, of the last round of uh, um, jump starts, it looks like none of them got picked up unless one of them surprises us at the beginning of next. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, of this year it as might... we record it. Um, I th- sometimes they've had surprisingly long gaps between say, when they did them. But yeah. but usually it's fairly soon afterwards. So I think we're not seeing any of those, which is a shame. Because as we discussed, I, I think we all liked uh, Golem Hearts a lot. Yeah, I liked Golem Hearts. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have minded to have seen that. It didn't really set my world on fire or anything, but I wouldn't have minded it continuing. But, you know, then again, the whole uh, jump start aspect the the difficulty with them continuing to do that is i don't really know what um they cut at this point because yeah it's pretty full yeah it's pretty full it seems like it and they cover a lot of bases you know obviously we we joke and well not really joke we don't like or have any interest in uh we never learn but well whatever it it fills a certain hey that one, that other one really gross manga eventually got canceled, right? Well, I thought it might There's, have just ended. Oh, okay. Know. There's hope yet There's that hope yet. we, we never learned might get canceled. But it fits like a, it fits a certain um, yeah the market 
demographic, whatever you want to call it, that yeah. they they probably want one series it's, to appeal to. It's their trashy rom com series, yeah. basically. Spank bank. It's like it's like American Pie, basically, kind of like that kind of, it, but with younger people, so it's grosser. But it, I mean, that's that's like the closest like American equivalent I could think of. Just kind of like yeah. But um, yeah, it's it's hard to say like if anything. So it seems pretty full right now. Now I don't know if like the uh, U.S. Um, Weekly Shonen Jump um, being published digitally, um, that might give them wider latitude in being able to just like add series that they think are worth it. Um, mm-hmm. Without ha- yeah, I mean there have definitely been times where the magazine has been like pushing three hundred pages consistently. Yeah, that, I, think I think that was like more, of a, year. more of a thing in two thousand sixteen. I felt like there were so yeah. many issues that well, were like. Don't, yeah. don't you feel like they wouldn't run jump starts if they just couldn't add something? Right. To the, right. or they would say unequivocally like these are just these new just stuff in Japan. Yeah, you like can find I, it in, I, uh, when it's published. In- yeah, like I guess I mean that's not ideal, but I mean. Yeah. I don't so know. well, it, it is interesting how many things that they are publishing like. On the website exclusively That's now true. for free still like the um, like the My Hero Academia spinoff and right. and Dragon Ball and a few other things that are really big and I would kind of expect to see in the magazine but aren't you right. know yeah yeah that is surprising particularly about uh, Dragon Ball um, not being in there but yeah. Because that you would think, even even though that's not, um, it's not exactly the same. Because it's not you know Toriyama completely um, doing it. Um, that's still you know a marquee title for sure. Mm-hmm. Think, um, but yeah, we'll see if uh, next year has any sort of. Um, New surprises for us. I'm sure there will be a couple more, um, at least batches of jump starts. Maybe something, one or two no- new series that start. Yeah, we'll see. Um, is there any like a uh, kind of genre either of you uh, think would be interesting to interested to see uh, represented? I mean, th- probably not in a shonen ma- magazine, but horror would be cool. <laughs> Like, I guess, okay. I, 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 I don't really... I kind of feel a uh, Promise Neverland. Yeah, I guess that out. does kind of get as close. Um, I, I mean, I'm going to stick with what I said. I mean, I guess I guess more... I guess more. they can't really... They can't really push the envelope much further sure. than than the gore that's in the that series. Um, but, yeah. Um... You know, I I mean, I guess we already kind of have a fantasy type series in Black Clover, but that one is almost so much in its it, it's so tied up in its like pure shonen ness that it, it bar- the fantasy aspect is kind of just like a veneer that's over it, you know? Yeah, and I feel um, I, we didn't uh, quite talk about that earlier, but I, I definitely feel at the longer that series goes on the more it just feels like shonen and the less it feels like it had more of that kind of western style uh fantasy at the beginning and that just keeps going further and further from from right yeah i think that's something i would like to see though is maybe 
something with more of a like fantasy adventure band. Yeah. Um, you know, I wasn't the biggest fan necessarily of uh Torico when it was running, but yeah. it it was kind of like that too. Yeah. Obviously it had like martial arts aspects to it too, but it was very much kind of a you know fantasy adventure type thing. I I do think that's what it's missing. I mean, we have one piece, of course. Right. Um, but I think it could have something more, you know, as weird as it sounds, like something kind of more in that more um, classic um, shonen action, adventure, fantasy mm-hmm. kind of mix um, that's starting fresh. Um, right. Yes. That, is, yeah. that isn't like a thousand chapters long. Right, um, right, right. Because, I mean, you think about Black Clover even is the most recent sort of thing of that. And it's already, clo- you know, closing in on 150 chapters or so. Yeah. So sure. it's pretty far along. Yeah. Um, so I guess to close out, um, I just thought if we, we could all uh, name what we thought was the best series of the uh, past year. Uh, Zach, how about we start with you? Okay. Um so I guess like I have to give a bit of like a caveat because yeah. I think the the book that I thought was the best wasn't necessarily the one I look forward to the most. Sure. I I like always and maybe this is because it was just monthly, but I always look forward to Boruto every month. <laughs> well, you are the Naruto um, like, boy. Not in like in a completely shameless way. I like um, was so excited every time a Boruto <laughs> issue would come in. But honestly, like I think. In my opinion, the the best series this year for me might have been Robot Laser Beam. Cool. Really? Okay. Yeah. I just I just really really liked that book for for some reason. I don't I, you know maybe it's just um, the way it was paced and the way it kind of like shook up the 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 sports manga tropes. Um, that yeah. I maybe come to expect from like some other series. Mm-hmm. Right. But I always like really enjoyed reading that book a lot. Um, yeah. And, and I think even some of the books that I maybe enjoyed the previous year that we had mentioned, um, you know, the, the food wars and, and one punch man's and, and uh, my Hero academia. Um, not that they weren't good. They, it was kind of just a lot of times more of the same, <clears throat> playing it a little safe. And so I, I just thought Robot Laser Beam was a really fresh, yeah. cool yeah. new book that uh, that grabbed me a lot more than I expected to. Yeah, for sure. Okay, yeah. Um, it definitely doesn't feel like every other sports manga. And granted, I haven't read a ton of sports manga or seen a ton of sports anime, but it definitely kind of feels like it's the caveat, like its own thing in a way. The caveat we have to throw in every time we talk about Robot Laser Beam. Yeah, yeah. That it, yeah. We're not experts on sports <laughs> manga, unfortunately. Or sports. That too. At all. <laughs> yeah, I know nothing about golf outside of um, Mario Golf. Same so. here. That'll take you quite a way. Yeah. yeah. I do really like Mario Golf. <laughs> Me too. How about you, Emily? What would you uh, say was your favorite of the year? Uh, sheesh. Well, I guess, you know, it. this might not come as a surprise based on us gushing about it, but I would definitely have to say uh, My Hero Academia. Um, 
this was just a really good year for this comic. Um, even though I would say last year, or sorry, 2016 was the year that I, I really started to love the, the comic. Um, because I, I was kind of just reading it a little bit passively before I got to, before it got to the part where, uh, All Might explained how, um, One, One for All worked. Um, and then from there I was pretty much hooked. And just this year, uh, I feel like Horikoshi really came into his own with all his characters, um, making really compelling villains and introducing a bunch of new characters that I really liked. And, um, it really feels like the strongest series in Shonen Jump right now. Um, you know, as much as I love One Piece, as I was saying before, this arc, this arc just kind of is dragging a bit, like just kind of waiting for it to, to be done. And whereas I was just always kind of glued to the page, um, with, uh, the weekly installments of My Hero Academia. Um, and especially with, you know, the anime coming out, one thing I, it's, it's even kind of inspired me and normally I wouldn't do this. Like I'd rather just read the series, but I kind of almost want to check out the, the anime adaptation too, just cause I, I hear it's a good adaptation and I, I'm kind of just, um, wanting to revisit it, revisit the beginning of the series in a different way. And, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just really liking it. And this year was just such a strong, year um for it and i really feel like it's it's going to be a, a a force to be reckoned with going forward too um it might it's getting be a, a video game too next yes year. that too yeah, yeah. This, year, like a, right? this year from uh Banco. yep 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 yeah Unsur- that's my pick unsurprisingly that's my pick too <laughs> um i can say it sometime and just say for all the reasons you said nah. yeah <laughs> i mean I, I i'm trying to think if there's anything else poignant I want to say about it, but I think we kind of, kind of covered it. Um, uh, yeah, it's just, I'm just excited to see where it goes now. And, um, I, I kind of don't know, like, if it's one of these things where he has a set plan and, okay, I say this, but like, like Oda kind of knew at the beginning roughly where it was going to, where One Piece was going to be at the end. I kind of wonder, and I'm sure he has like an ending in mind, but I kind of wonder how long it will go. Um, will it be as long as a Bleach Naruto One Piece? Or Could will be. it continue forever and ever like his superhero comics that he loves so much? That too. Will will there be an expanded universe with like? I mean, there is artists? already. True. Yeah. Well, I mean, that would be neat. That would be a thing that. Perhaps eventually he'll stop writing it and be like, "Oh, this person's going to do it now." Oh, that's a shame, <laughs> and then it might be bad. Yeah, like superhero comics. A lot of them are bad. You're saying, oh, <laughs> well, if you just read manga, you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> yeah, There's, there <laughs> There's is no bad manga. Okay. <laughs> Um, no, I'm clearly, I'm joking, but yeah, it's just such a, such a great series. Um, and I think we're going to continue gushing about it unless he really drops the ball, but I don't think he will. <laughs> yeah. It's a great series. And I think overall it was a good year for weekly Shonen Jump in general. Mm-hmm. Um, as, yeah, as we said, I think so. most of the series, like there's only, I think three series that are in it that none of us read. Um, yeah. We never learn Blue Exorcist and Yu-Gi-Oh. Two of those are monthlies and run into those problems we were talking about before. One of them is, well, whatever. Um, yeah, it's just bad and gross. Um, yeah. But for the most part, we we might not each of us read everything, but 
we each, I feel, read a lot of it, enjoy a lot of it, mm-hmm. and I, I think it had a good year in 2016. It had an even better year in 2017. Let's see how 2018 is. Here, here. Yeah, it's it's still easily the best value in um, sequential storytelling out there. No and it was, I'm pretty sure, Multiversity's uh, second favorite anthology series after 2000 AD, which, yes. you know, that's fine, I guess. I do need to get, <laughs> I do need to get on that 2000 AD train. Uh, that, that's another uh, discussion entirely. But, um, yeah, so here's to another good year, hopefully. Another year of Manga Club. Another year of Weekly Shonen Jump. Um, yeah. Once again, we will be back next month to talk about Vinland Saga. Um, that's by um, Makoto Yukimura. The first um, two volumes. The first two volumes of the recent hardcovers from Kodasha. Um, or their equivalent, however you're able Online. to Online, yes. <laughs> Until then, uh, we'll see you guys next month. See you guys. Later.